Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this evening. Thank you, Lord, for these that have been on now. Lord, we do thank you for the prayer meeting that we just had. And oh, Lord, we pray that you would bless now in this time, that you would open our hearts to see what you have for us. And Lord, uh, be with us, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, we're talking about life skills generally and um, <clears throat> keeping your heart. And we're talking now about forgiveness. And I really believe that when it comes to living well, forgiveness for anybody is a key issue because there's enough offenses in life. There are enough things that go wrong, enough things that people do on you intentionally, unintentionally, all kinds of reasons that people do things on you. There are enough things to just sink you. And if you don't learn to forgive, to release people and let them go, you end up with it building up. I was dealing with a sink recently that, that, that just wasn't flowing at all. Right? I mean, it was just, just wasn't flowing at all. And so uh, I went after it to try and get what was in it, whatever was in it, out of it. And there was nothing big in it. There were just small hairs that had gathered up and um, it no longer was flowing at all. It was just stuck. It was, it was my sink down in the workshop. You could, um, you know, you could release it, but it didn't go away. And I think that's what happens. And particularly as we see with older people, you know, if they haven't learned to forgive, to release people and let them go, what, hap what happens in their lives is that they are completely clogged and they, 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 they can't function very well. And so many things have built up one after the other. Now, forgiveness is not easy. C.S. Lewis said, it's a great idea until you have to forgive something. It's not easy. It's something that we um, have a hard time doing because, you know, we want, to, we want people to pay for the wrongs that they've done us. But they never do. Not at least in terms, in human terms. They never actually pay for the wrongs that they've done. Now, ultimately, God demands justice, but that doesn't satisfy us. We want to see it, and we're never going to see that. We're never going to see it. What we're going to do, though, is if we don't release people and let them go, we end up being bound. Right, let me read you an illustration. Uh, it was about Martin Luther King's father, right? So Martin Luther King Sr., right? When he died in 1984, one black leader said, if we start our own country, uh, he would be our George Washington, our first president. Uh, in his 84 years, he endured more than his share of suffering and hatred. During his childhood in Georgia, he witnessed lynchings. When he tried to register to vote in Atlanta, he discovered that the registrar's office was on the second floor of City Hall, but the elevator was marked whites only. The stairwell was closed and the elevator for blacks was out of order. Now, that kind of blatant injustice would do something to you. Not, but it went, got worse for him, right? He's mostly remembered for the accomplishments of his son, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., leader of the nonviolent civil rights movement, cut down by an assassin's bullet in 1968. But that was not the end of his pain. Uh, during a church service in 1974, as his wife played the Lord's Prayer, a young man rose in the congregation and began shooting. Mrs. King collapsed in a hail of gunfire while Daddy King watched in horror from the pulpit, right? So he lost his son. Uh, he was assassinated, and then he, he, he stood as a pastor in a church and watched his wife get, uh, get murdered in the church. That's going to be hard to bear. But he said this, 
Near the end of his life, he spoke about the policy of nonviolence he had come to embrace. There are two men I am supposed to hate. One is a white man, the other is black, and both are serving time for having committed murder. I don't hate either. Uh, there is no time for that and no reason either. Nothing that a man does takes him lower than when he allows himself to fall so low as to hate anyone. There's no time for that. Nothing that a man does brings him so low um, as when he allows himself to hate someone. And I think all of us are capable of hatred. You know, we it may not be the red roaring kind of hatred that we associate with hatred, but all of us are capable of that slow burning hatred, anger that rises in us because people do us wrong. And as you get older, you know what, there's more reasons for it. And the problem is that as you get older, if you're not dealing with it and cleansing it, you're, you're ending up with all kinds of junk in there clogging the pipes, clogging your relationship with God, and most of all, stealing your peace. And so we've got to learn to let go. And <clears throat> we've got to come to a place where we're good at this thing, where we're good at forgiving, where we're good at releasing and letting go. All right, so Ephesians chapter 4, we're looking at verse 29. He says this, he says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you, right? So we're just going to deal with this, this portion of, of, of the passage, right? The underlying weak word there when it talks about corrupt communication uh, is rotten, putrid, and it speaks of something that's decaying, right? We're not to speak words like that, no talk uh, that is like that, whatever, right? Now, all of us can, and probably all of us do sometimes. And we have lots of reasons for, for justifying it and for saying why, we, why we, we said these things. But the problem for us is that we're talking about keeping our heart with all diligence, keeping a good heart, keeping a clean heart. And what's happening when we're speaking corrupt communication is that our heart has not been tended. Because remember this, that... that out of, out of the, uh, from the heart, the mouth, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak. So the what's in my heart comes out. So that when I speak mean thoughts, when I speak corrupt words, when I speak words that are tearing down and destroying those putrid words, what's happening is, it's not just a mouth issue. Remember your mother used to threaten to wash your mouth out with soap? Maybe some of you did wash the kids' mouths out with soap, right? Um, didn't work, though, did it? Um, because it's not the mouth that's the problem. It's actually the heart that's the problem. And in order to deal with what's coming out of our mouths, we have to come to the place where we 
dear with our hearts. Now, what qualifies as rotten speech? Here are some examples. Vulgarity, obscenity, indecent language, racial or ethnic insults, abrasive humor, harsh words, mean-spirited comments, gossip, rumors, false accusations, public criticism of your spouse or children, yelling and screaming, exaggerating the faults of others, excusing unkind words by saying, I was only joking. Right? Um, but all those things, you know, get a corrupt communication. And the Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth. The Bible says this, that uh, in, the, in the tongue is the power of life and death. So do you realize that your words that you speak, you're always speaking either life or you're speaking death. You know, I, I always either speaking into people's lives and lifting them up, or you're speaking into people's lives and crushing them and putting them down. And what's going on in your heart is the issue. Sometimes we need a friend to actually remind us uh, of that. Because the Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of our mouths. Uh, <clears throat> But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So every word you and I say is supposed to work. It's not supposed to be corrupt. But it is supposed to minister grace. It's supposed to edify. It's supposed to build up. Now, the passage in Ephesians chapter 4 is dealing with putting off the old man and putting on the new man. And the old man may have been an expert in... Uh, you know, the, the sharp word that could cut and hurt. Right? But the new man, the one that's regenerated, that's made new in Christ Jesus, is supposed to be different to that. He's not supposed to talk like that. Um, let me read you another, another illustration. Gordon MacDonald tells the story of a trip to, to Japan he took as a young man. Now, he's a writer um, and um, a great blessing in many of his books, right? Uh, Christian books. One day while walking in the streets of Yokohama with an older pastor, he made a sarcastic comment about a mutual friend. The older pastor stopped, looked him in the face and said, a man who truly loves God would not talk about a friend like that. Oh, uh, Gordon MacDonald said it was as if a knife had been plunged between his ribs. The pain was so great he didn't know how to respond. Reflecting on that experience 20 years later, he remarked that the memory of those scar searing words had helped him 10,000 times when he was tempted to make a critical comment about a family member, a friend, a colleague, or someone he knew casually. We all have our excuses for what we say, don't we? But the truth is that somebody who loves Jesus doesn't talk like that. And again, our words betray our hearts. What comes out of our mouths betrays what's in our hearts, right? And the consequence of speaking corrupt communication is this. It says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. What happens is that when we speak corrupt words, what we do is we, <clears throat> we grieve the Spirit of God. Now, I know this about myself. I need the Spirit of God. I need grace and I need mercy every day of the week. It's the, it's the only thing that makes life work in a fallen world. It's just that sweet relationship with God, that ability to make contact with him. But I also know this, 
that I can actually grieve him so that he's flown and I'm on my own. And it's a horrible place to be. And the easiest place for me to grieve him or the easiest way for me to grieve him is not my words. Harsh words will grieve him and I will feel that he has, he has flown. And God never forsakes you, but you know what? There's a difference between God being there and you feeling his presence. And you see, when we speak corrupt communication, what happens is we grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, what's the dynamic there? You see, when you're dealing with another Christian, and even if they're not another Christian, there's still a truth there. But when you're dealing with another Christian, the same spirit that indwells you indwells them. And when you shred them with your words or speak words that, that tear them down uh, in their presence or even when they're not around, what you do is the Holy Spirit is grieved and the unity is broken between us. And I mean, we know the command is to love one another, and, but we're not good at loving. That's just hard for us because the, the, the reality is selfish creatures that we are, we find it hard to actually uh, love others. In, in our flesh, we're not going to. It's a work of the Spirit of God for us to constantly and consistently love one another. And we can't do that if we hold grudges, if we don't, if we don't let go, if we don't release people and let them go. It's impossible for us to obey the most basic command of Christianity. If we don't release people and let them go, if we don't actually um, <clears throat> let them off the hook. And that's not a, a human characteristic. It's not something that humans are good at doing. Now, some people, even in the world, learn to do it because, you know, the, the burden of carrying bitterness is greater than anyone can really bear, saved or unsaved. But for the Christian, you have an example in the Lord Jesus Christ who had every reason to get bitter. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But not only do you have an example, but you have his power, too, in the Holy Spirit, actually forgiven that girl. And we need to access that power here. We need to access that, that power so that we're constantly releasing and letting things go. So in our marriages, we're releasing things and letting things go. You're never going to get it all your own way in a marriage. You know? If you've been married for any length of time, you know that. You're never going to get it all your own way. It's just not going to happen. Uh, yeah, you, you're never going to get it all your own way with your children, even. You're not going to get it all your own way in the church. You're not going to get it all your own way in work. You're not going to get it all your own way with your friends. It's never going to happen. There's going to be those times uh, when people cut across you. And there's going to be those times when you get hurt in those relationships. And you've got to be in the habit of letting those things go, of, of, of releasing them and letting them go. Because if you don't, they'll pile up on you. And again, I know I'm at that stage in life where I'm dealing with older people a lot. And it really comes home to roost when you're old. If you haven't been letting things go, if you haven't developed that good habit of keeping a clear slate between you and God, what happens as you get older is the pipes get clogged. And you're having a hard time relating to God. You're having a hard time relating to anyone is, is really where it goes. So... This is a critical life skill that we need to develop. This, this ability to, 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 to release people, let them go. You know, it doesn't mean you can't deal with the wrong that was done. We talked about that last week. It doesn't mean that you can't take and sort something out. 
out with you and somebody else. But it does mean this, whatever happens, you can't hold on to it and hold a grudge to it. You've got to uh, let it go. And um, he says that all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. He says, put those things away completely. Bitterness leads to wrath, right? And uh, this bitterness of, of a grievance that, that, that's been perpetrated on something, something, somebody has done me a wrong. And because they've done me a wrong, I've, it's gotten under my skin and it's starting to hurt me. And because they've done that, what happens is that bitterness brings me to anger. Some people are angry all the time. Christians are good at hiding. Christians are good at pretending that they're not angry and, um, you know, putting different names on it. But they're angry all the time. And when you're angry all the time like that, the reason is because you have wrongs that have been done to you that have been never, never been addressed, never been, never been put right, people have never come up with right. Now, I wish I could say to you, you know, what's going to happen now is, you know, um, people will start putting things right, but typically they don't. Typically, for whatever reason, they have their own grievances, their own burdens, their own uh, extra grind, whatever. Typically, people don't, don't very often come to the place where they're able to come and, and, and really remove the, the thorns, remove the spines uh, from you and, and, and let you off the hook. Typically, people don't come and make those things right. And you've got to learn in yourself to, to let them go, uh, to, to release them, because that bitterness will make you angry, right? Um, and you get all steamed up. And you, you carry that around. And the problem with you going around and feeling angry about the grievances people have done on you is that you're, you, it, it's like an open wound. Something else hits that wound and you feel it. And now you've got another grievance. Now you've got another issue that you're, that you're bent out of shape. Uh, anger, the third word, speaks of a settled condition of the heart. Some people get up angry, shower angry, eat breakfast angry, go to work angry, come home angry, watch TV angry, go to bed angry, uh, walk the dog angry. Listen, they spend our whole day angry. And it's just under the surface. And, you know, you'll, you'll know those people in your life, you know, where you're bent on tender hooks, you're walking on eggshells because, you know, listen, if you get, if you get it wrong, you'll get it. <laughs> and um, that, that, that anger that is just settled. The fifth word, slander, means to make false accusations against someone or to attack them through vague insinuations. We can slander with our words, with a lifted eyebrow, with an unfinished sentence, or by quoting others, but taking their words and twisting them into something sinister. Slander is, is wickedness. But you know, when we're, when we're bitter and we're angry, we'll, we'll say things that are not true about other people. By the way, when you do, if you do, you need to go back and take those things away from them. You need to go back and say, I was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. That's not true. You know, and um, that helps. But oftentimes it, it doesn't happen. And then malice, uh, the final word describes an underlying attitude of ill will. We could call it congealed hatred. A malicious person can't get along with anything. What starts in the heart ends up on the lips. We think we feel, and then we speak. And what starts as a grievance becomes an outburst of wrath that hardens into anger. 
uh, that leads to clamor and slander. Malice marks such a person through and through. Stop it early and you won't have to stop it later. That's why Proverbs 4.23 reminds us, keep your heart with all that diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Don't, don't let that, that, that malicious thought, that doesn't belong in the heart of a Christian. And you see, remember, we, we keep coming back when we're talking about this issue to the heart and dealing with the heart, dealing with what you're thinking, you know, dealing with what's going on inside you. There's, there's power available for you to do it. You really have to come to the place where you decide, I want to deal with my thinking in these things. I do not want to go around being angry and bitter with people. Um, the Bible tells us to get rid of all these wrong attitudes, no root of bitterness, no symptoms of wrath, no trace of anger, no echo of clamor, no slam of slander, no dregs of malice. When we harder harbor those things, the Holy Spirit within us grieves. And remember, you, you can't grieve your enemy, you can bother your enemy. You, you, you can't grieve a, an acquaintance. When you grieve somebody, you grieve somebody who loves you. You, you, you grieve the one who is the, the reality of the I am with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You grieve him. And so that so the, when you and I get bitter and angry over something somebody has done to us, what we do is we turn off the lights ourselves. We shut out the light, the only light that can really help us. That's why this discipline, this, this ability to, to, to get rid of the hurts that people have done to you and get rid of them quickly. And, you know, is, is so important to us to develop. We've got to be in that place where we can let those things go because if we can't let them go, we're going to live miserable lives. And as you get older, those things will just multiply. And those things will just be, become things that eat you alive. And I wish I could say this. I wish I could say, well, you know what? We're Christians. And bless God. He doesn't let us get better. But, you know, Christians can be more better than the world. I mean, it doesn't make sense because we have power available to us not to be better. But we can be more better than the world because we don't learn that discipline of releasing and letting go. You live in a broken world. I guarantee it. Somebody is going to do you wrong, however slightly. And you're either going to take it on board and <clears throat> feel bad about it and let it in and end up getting bitter. By the way, when we get bitter, we're always bitter against God. Now, listen, we know way too much to actually say that as Christians. But the reality is that if we honestly believe that God is in charge of everything, that God is the one who rules in the affairs of men, if we believe uh, that God is in charge, then God allowed that to happen in my life. And so my bitterness eventually lands at God's door. And, you know, it really doesn't help you to be bitter against anybody. But being bitter against God is nonsense. You need him. You need his power in your life to enable you to live in the spoken world. And bitterness just stands between you and him and, and completely blocks the way for you to actually enjoy that sweet relationship with him. So what I'm saying is this, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, you have to overcome this. Because none of you are getting away with, with a life where, where people aren't, don't do you wrong. It's just not happening. 
right? So you've got to learn to release them and let them go. Um, um, we, we, need to, we need to let God in, right? Look what he says then. Um, and be kind one to another. We're supposed to be kind in the face of other people's hurts. We're supposed to be kind. Now, look, we talked about last week what forgiveness is not. And forgiveness is not you treating somebody who has made themselves your enemy as though they're not your enemy, right? But you're still to be kind to them. You're still to look for ways, you're still to keep a heart where you want their best, even if they don't want yours. Now, it doesn't mean you're gonna put yourself in a place where you're at their mercy to do you wrong again, but it does mean that you're gonna be kind to them. You're gonna find a way to be kind to them. Um, now, and, and look at the basis of this, right? Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Let's think about that for a second. Did Jesus forgive you a lot? Yeah. Here's part of our problem, though. We often don't realize how much he's forgiven us. We, we don't live with that reality. You know, I'm a big enough sinner to spend an eternity in hell before I was saved. But you know what? Even since I've been saved, I'm not being good enough to earn heaven. And neither of you. All of us, you know, deserve the wrath of God. But what has he given us? He's given us forgiveness. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Not, not only did he forgive us, but he, he took the penalty for our sin. And he, he forgave us. He released us and let us go completely. Even though, folks, we didn't care. And we're not aware half the time of what it costs him. And the reason we won't forgive others is because we're not aware of what we've been forgiven. Remember the story from Matthew 18 that we looked at last year, last week? You know, the man that owed millions and was forgiven and went out and demanded of the man that owed him a few bob and put him in prison. And the Lord was very angry with him and he cast him in prison uh, to the tormentors. And Jesus said, so shall my heavenly father do to you unless you forgive everyone from their hearts. That we need to understand what it took to forgive us. And on that basis, we need to be willing to forgive others. I, you see, we have forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Well, listen, you didn't earn it. You're not that good. You, you, you have forgiveness based upon his grace, based upon him sacrificing himself on your behalf, even though you didn't deserve it. And the message is, Go and do that likewise. Go you and release other people too. Just as he released you. Just, just as he forgave you freely for the wrongs that you've done to him and to others, he says, I want you to go and do that to others as well. Now, and folks, that includes everybody in your life. So that if you and I are harboring a grudge, 
if we're harboring bitterness and we're, and we're going to face up to this scripture and we're going to face up to having the right kind of a mind and a, a, and a heart as a Christian, then what we need to do is we need to come down off our high horse and realize, I am wrong. I am in need here. And we need to release people and let them go. And, and look, there may be some major issues in your life that need to be released. You may need some help releasing those things. But you need to develop the habit of life where you're releasing and letting go all the time. Because if you don't, you will clog the channels for the Holy Spirit. Remember, the, 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 the corrupt communication grieves the Holy Spirit. And the corrupt communication is an expression of what's going on in your heart. And you don't have the power without him to actually live the Christian life, to do what God would have you to do. So you need to be able to release people and let them go. You need to develop a heart and an ability to do that. Humanly speaking, it's impossible. Right? But with God, it's possible. Let me read your story. And then we're, we're, we're really done to know. Um, she, a story about Richard Wormbrand, the, uh, the pastor who suffered great um, persecution and imprisonment under, under the Nazis, right? Wormbrand tells the story of a man named Dimitri who was in prison in Romania. He was beaten with a hammer, paralyzing him, making him a quadriplegic. The other prisoners cared for him as best they could without access to running water or good facilities, but they were on work duties all day long. Dimitri lay in his own filth, in pain and alone until the evening. Eventually, he was freed from prison and returned home to his family. And we pick up the story uh, from there. One day, someone knocked at his door. It was the communist who had crippled him. He said, sir, don't believe that I have come to ask forgiveness from you. For what I have done, there is no forgiveness, not on earth or in heaven. You are not the only one I have tortured like this. You cannot forgive me. Nobody can forgive me, not even God. My crime is much too great. Now this man had above and beyond his duties. He had taken a hammer to people and crippled them. And this man, Dimitri, um, had lived a quadriplegic. He, he couldn't move, he couldn't do anything for himself. He survived prison and when communism fell, uh, he, he got out of prison and he was taken home, but no doctor could fix him. Uh, he was never gonna walk, he was never gonna move, he was never going to do anything for himself. And this communist, this, this guy who did, had come to the place where he realized the wickedness of what he had done. And he believed that he couldn't be forgiven for what he had done. My crime is much too great. I am come only to tell you that I am sorry about what I have done. From you I go to hang myself, that is all. And he turned to leave. Now, that's a moment in your life, isn't it? When somebody actually comes and at least recognizes what they, the pain they've caused you. The paralyzed brother Dimitri said to him, Sir, in all these years, I have not been as sorry as I am now that I cannot move my arms. I would like to stretch them out to you and embrace you. For years, I have prayed for you every day. I love you with all my heart. You are forgiven. That is incredible, isn't it? That somebody would, could come to that place. 
But here's Dimitri's choice. He's crippled. He's a quadriplegic. His body is broken and is going to stay broken. But he had a choice. Either his body and his spirit were going to be broken. His spirit was going to be crippled with hatred and with bitterness. And he was going to live on it. And he knew that was the wrong choice. And so what he did was he released him and let him go before he ever came to the door. He released him and let him go. Folks, that's kind of the level 10 of it. Most of the stuff we're dealing with is not level 10. But there's lots of level t- 2, 3, 4, and 5 going on in our lives where people are doing it wrong. And either we're holding on to it and we're paying a horrible price, even a cumulative price, because it just keeps adding up. And, you know, you meet people and they're, they're, they're bitter about everything. People have hurt them and hurt them and hurt them and they're kind of expecting to be hurt again. But that's a terrible way to live. If you live like that, that means that what you're doing is not only are you bearing the pain of what they did to you, but you're crippling yourself in spirit. You're grieving the Holy Spirit and you don't have his presence and his power to help you uh, with it. You can't live like that. And if you're anything like me, there has to be times when you come to the place where you okay, let me go. You know, I, you know, I wish I wish I got to the place where you know, I never took anything on and just let it go, but that's not true. There has to be those times when you just release it and let it go. You may need to tell the person, you may not need to tell the person. But you do need to release it and let it go. Because you can't bear the price. You can't carry the weight of the wrongs that people have done you and reacting wrongly to. You've got to release them and let them go. It's got to become the habit of life. We need God in our lives. We need his hand. We need his power. We need his presence. We've got to become experts at forgiveness. We've been forgiven so much. We've got to grapple with that and understand what we've been forgiven. But then we've got to come to the place where we release others and let them go. All right, let me have a word of prayer and then we will close the uh, the recording and then give you a chance to speak. All right, Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for uh, how clear it is, Lord. And Lord, we face this problem, Lord, and we, we don't have the power or the ability to actually deal with it. Now, Lord, we need you. Lord, for that one that's listening now, Lord, and that's drowning because there's something come up, Lord, that's just kind of uh, taken over their lives, Lord, a bitterness that, that hasn't been released and can't be released. Blessed spirit of the living God, would you sweep in and comfort that one and draw them to you and tell them that with you they can? But, Lord, May we become experts in this, Lord. May our Christianity show through, Lord, with tear hearts and clean hearts, Lord. May there not be bitterness. May there not be that anger and that wrath, uh, Lord, that, that corrupt communication that shows a heart, Lord, that's bitter. But, Lord, bless us 
and help us to be all that you would have us to be. In Jesus' precious name, amen.